0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbits Ramblings Podcast 101. Oh my god, past 100. This time I talk about some thoughts on Bioshock Infinite. I've only kind of just started it, so they're pretty early thoughts. I talk a bit about how excited I am for Blizzard's Hearthstone. And I have sort of a trio section at the end, where I talk a little bit about StarCraft II, and Neverwinter, and Defiance. Hopefully you enjoy the show. So I have been playing Bioshock Infinite for a little while. I don't know the exact number, but I would guess it is somewhere around 8 hours so far. Bioshock Infinite is made by Irrational Games under the 2K Games studio label. And it's interesting to note that they did the first Bioshock game, but a different studio under 2K Games did the second Bioshock game. And that doesn't really entirely surprise me because Bioshock 2 did have sort of a different feel than the first game. It has a very definite different feel from Bioshock Infinite. Bioshock Infinite feels a lot closer to the first game. Although being in Columbia and up in the air instead of, you know, down underwater, it has a much faster, more, I guess you could call it fluid feel to it. It all moves very fast and has a sort of higher... Focus on action and movement, whereas the original two games were you know underwater, and so they were more about caution and sort of exploration of what the area is in terms of you know sort of looking for cover and and finding places you can be safe and move carefully in, whereas Columbia is very open and very really large in comparison to the previous two games, so it's more about feeling you know like you have freedom to go. Any large open area, you know, and and pick your spots where you want to fight from. The first thing that is very immediately apparent is everything in Baoshock Infinite is extremely beautiful. Like I said, this takes place in Colombia, which is a city up in the sky. So there's a lot of beautiful skyscapes. There's a lot of sort of areas you can look around. The areas overall are very large and so very kind of colorful and vibrant. Though it is set in the early 1900s, I'm not entirely 100% sure when exactly it takes place, and as you play the game, you discover that may or may not be a static number as it is anyways, but I think there was reference to 1902. One of the things that is sort of ever-present in the game, but not really heavily emphasized, I guess you could say, is the racism that takes place in those days. There are the helpers who are, you know, dressed as they did back then. and It's very obvious who they are. There's a reference to the evil Chinese empire, and so there's some of that. But it's really good in that they sort of don't overplay it. I mean, it's there and it's ever-present. You can see, you know, a worker from quite a ways away due to their uniform, and of course, you know, their racial heritage. But it's not really thrown in your face at all. It's just kind of there and ever present. So that's sad to see, but it's good in that, you know, they don't overemphasize it and they don't, you know, make people say racially hatred things all the time. There's only a few places here and there where they do, you know, sort of bring it up and put it in the foreground. So while it is, you know, sad to be reminded, you know, once upon a time our nation was like that, it is, you know, it's a, it's okay. It's, it's time appropriate in it. It works, it's fine. As I mentioned, everything is extremely beautiful, and the plasmid effects, when you first get them and when you use them, are just off the chart gorgeous. Though it is kind of strange to note that they don't call them plasmids in this game, I think they're called Vigor. But taking place before Bioshock and Bioshock 2, you know, it kind of makes sense that things are mentioned, you know, in different ways. The game overall seems really streamlined compared to the first two games. There aren't health or, uh, you know, for lack of a better word or term, I'll, I'll call them, you know, mana potions. It's just you have, you know, this bar and once your bar gets filled, you can't pick up any extra ones. You know, they'll stay around on the ground if you need them later. But it's streamlined in that you're either max or you're not max. And after you pick up Elizabeth, if you get to the point where you're like right about to run out of something she will actually help you out and throw you whatever it is you need if you turn to her and you know push f to catch whatever it is she's going to throw however she does have sort of a a respawn timer on that so like let's say you run out of mana and you need some salts which is what refills it she can throw you that but it's going to be you know a certain amount of time before she can throw you something else so if you all of a sudden go short on health or you start to run out of mana, you know, you're screwed until she gets, you know, that recharge. I think in the original videos it showed her actually helping you fight in combat. She does have powers, but they are of a different type than your powers. So I think it's possible they, they changed it so that she does, you know, this and this in combat and you do, you know, everything else that is, you know, normal for Bioshock. As part of the streamlining, there is no hacking mini game. Early, kind of in the tutorial section of the game, you get this possession vigor, as they're calling it for this game. And it starts out that this can possess just machines. But the first unlock you get for, you know, beefing it up, as it were, allows you to also possess humans. So like I said, hacking's removed. You you don't really get to hack to get better prices. You just zap the machine with the possession. And it'll just spit out a bunch of money. So there's no hacking So I guess if you were looking forward to that, um, it's not there, which is kind of disappointing because I really kind of liked the first game's hacking game, the pipe sort of matching game. That was kind of cool. And the second game, you know, they, they simplified it a lot just to be, you know, press the button when the bar bounces. And then I guess they decided, you know, to go so simple with Bioshock Infinite as to just get rid of it entirely. There are locks on some areas that you can get into, like safes or... Certain doors, and you will find lockpicks. You yourself cannot lockpick, but Elizabeth can lockpick, so you just, you know, click the lock and she'll come over if you're not in combat and unlock whatever it is. So I guess that's sort of a mini game, because, you know, you have to have the lockpicks. Some of them only take one, some of them are like free, and I think the highest I've ever seen was five, but most are like one to three. I've never actually you know, not had enough lockpicks, except for like once, I think I didn't have enough. So most of the time you can find enough that, you know, where you want to break into, you can break into it. Oh, speaking of breaking in, most of the time you can just pick stuff up that's laying around and nobody cares. But there are certain times where it will count as stealing. And if you steal, you know, and somebody sees you steal, they will call, you know, the police and everything will go crazy. And it's kind of Difficult to know when it's okay to take stuff and when it's stealing. Sometimes it's pretty obvious. You know, it changes it to red and says steal, you know, whatever the item is. But other times I've taken stuff and nobody's been around and it didn't say steal and, you know, the cops came and went all crazy on me. So it's like, what's going on? I don't understand. And it's, you know, kind of so rare that it's a stealing thing that, you know, does kind of catch you by surprise when it actually says steal instead of, you know, just being regular. It is super violent, sure, you know, it's a shooter, and shooters are generally violent, but now, you know, you have this hook thing on your hand, which you use to go across the sky rails, I guess I can call them, but it also is a melee weapon, and you can do super gross fatality kind of things, where you'll, you know, spin it into their chest, or spin it around their neck, and pop their head off, and blood goes everywhere, it's like, you know, even for Bioshock, there's tons of extra blood. Yes, you know, Bioshock 1, you could pierce the guy's chest with your drill thing and blood would explode and everything. But, you know, this is kind of like that times two. And, you know, you can do it whenever you get melee range, pretty much. They have to be in sort of a stunned state to be able to do it. But, you know, that you just whack them a couple times and they're in stunned state. Overall, I would say the game feels kind of very linear. I mean, it's very obvious and it's pushing you from this area to this area to this area. And sometimes it's an almost straight corridor and sometimes there's like a little bit of variance. You know, I think the most variance was sort of a hub area. Had like three large buildings you could enter, you know, and leave the hub area or the hub area itself you could stick around in. And that was about the most variance I've seen. Usually it's kind of like here's a corridor, here's a side room or two, and you're just going straight down this path. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I said, the game feels a lot faster paced than previous games. It's very action-oriented. There are very definitely a few points in you know battle areas, I will call them. You know, a big fight where you pause and obviously you're supposed to fight this big fight kind of thing. And, you know, there's these hook catch points so you can fly up into the air and get in the hook and drop down over in this area and fight the guys over here and then go back. Or you can just totally stay on the ground if you want. It's very sort of flexible in that way. But it doesn't seem quite as flexible as the original games where it's like, here's this area and this area is like a maze. No, it's kind of like, you know, here's this open area. There's some cover over here you can hide in. There's some cover over here you can hide in. But overall, it's just kind of a big open area that you're going to fight in. One thing that seems like a big change that I don't remember being in place before Is that you can only carry two guns. So it's like if you like this gun and you like this gun. But you want to also have this other gun and this other gun. Not going to happen. You're going to have to pick two. And if you want to swap you can hold down F and swap. You know to whatever gun is on the ground. But once you walk away from that. You know you're you're only going to have the two guns you carry with you. It doesn't seem like a big deal in terms of ammo. You rarely run out of ammo. And like I said if you're good on health and mana you know, during combat, Elizabeth will toss you ammo if you need it. So it seems, you know, very streamlined in that sense as well. It's kind of a good choice. I like it. It kind of forces you to pick between, you know, a more specific style of fighting. I personally prefer pistol, which has really high accuracy. Most of the time I'll use my pistol, but I also have a standard machine gun. There are a couple of Vox weapons that are machine gun-like that are slightly different, but mostly I'll use the standard machine gun, and I've pretty much been sticking to just those two, because, you know, they have the machines that, you know, boost up certain abilities. Like my pistol, I've got it boosted up four times, so it's got extra damage, it's got extra clip size, it's got extra ammo capacity, so, you know, the total number of ammo I carry is higher, and something else, I forget what. And then my machine gun, I think I boosted up twice. But I'm pretty much always out of money, so you kind of have to be careful. You know, depending on which are your favorite two weapons to carry around, I would recommend you always boost those two up and not boost up the other ones. Of course, there are plasmid boosts as well, or, you know, vigor, as they call them in this one. And supposedly I read somewhere that the ones you find are actually random, but it really kind of seems like the game is designed that you get the possession one, And then there's sort of a grenade fire one. And then there's the shock one because you need that to get through some doors. And I think those must be guaranteed to be, you know, in the game. Oh, there's the Raven one they showed in the, you know, sort of preview clips. That one I think is also probably a standard one. But I've gotten three other ones that seem like those three could have been random. I'm not sure. But I don't know, every time I've found one, it's been kind of like on a guy or on a bar in a specific spot. And so it doesn't seem like it would be random. I don't know, I'll probably play through again on the hardest setting and find out for sure. But I'm only, you know, eight hours into the first playthrough. So like I said, I don't know for sure. I just recall hearing that it was random. And so that sounded, you know, really cool to me because, you know, in future playthroughs, who knows, you might get different stuff. If you push the O button... You can see all of the potential, you know, plasmid slash vigors you can get. For some reason, I don't know why, it lists them all there, and it just shows, you know, what you have equipped. I don't know why it lists them all there. It it kind of seems a little weird. But if you're curious, you know, about what they are and and what they look like, I don't I don't know if it shows the little film of what they are, but you can see the little icon and and sort of guess what some of them are. But, you know, if you're curious, you can flip through that. It does have a hot slash quick swap for both the plasmids and your gun. So I think the default is Q for the plasmid. And so you have, you know, two of them and it'll switch between them quickly. If you hold down Q, you can swap to, you know, whatever one you want. I don't think you would want to do that during combat because they would still shoot at you. But it can be pretty quick. The weapons, you can only carry two weapons around. So I think it's E will switch between the two different weapons. And it switches really quickly. Actually switches way faster than reloading. So if, you know, you just have one or two guys to finish off, you might not want to reload if your gun takes a really long time to reload. Oh, that was the other pistol thing I got was a reload thing that speeds up. Because the default reload speeds are kind of slow. You definitely want to be careful about when you're reloading. They do a really incredible job of sort of, I guess, animating Elizabeth in terms of whether she is following you or leading. There's a very subtle positioning difference in terms of whether she's sort of more in front of you or to the side of you. And so I think there's, you know, a very natural feel for people who, you know, aren't paying attention to it. They certainly wouldn't notice it. But, you know, it'll be like, you know, when you're going somewhere specific, she'll be leading. Or when you've finished off an area, And there's like, you know, nothing left in the area as it were. She won't be quite as far ahead in terms of leading, but she will definitely be more forward than when she's following you. And when, you know, you're in an area brand new and there's lots of places to go potentially, she's more following and she's more to your side. They're very subtle differences, but they did a really incredible job of positioning her in a way to sort of, you know, help the, the player know when they're, you know, moving forward or when they've cleared an area and it seems safe and Elizabeth is a little bit more bold, I guess you could say, in terms of where she's going. Another change is that they have four slots for what they're calling gear, which, you know, makes sense. Most people call it gear. I think it's like a hat, a shirt, pants, and boots. And they do some really incredibly crazy stuff. Like I got one, I think it was a shirt that allowed me to have three times the range on my hook attack, which is your melee. I had one that does, I think it was 40% chance to ignite the target on fire when I hit them on melee, and it did like 300 damage, whatever that means. The weapons don't actually say how much damage they do, so it's kind of weird that it notes that on the the special gear slot, because it's like, I don't know what this means. My... My plasmids and my weapons don't tell me how much damage I'm doing, so this means nothing to me. Just note that, you know, any kind of gear boost like that is going to be insane. You hit somebody once and walk away and they're, they're burnt up in a couple seconds. And I found some other things like 40% chance to get ammo as loot. Things like, you know, a high chance of regaining some health, you know, when they die, things like that. So the gear stuff is very cool to pick up and very definitely helpful. You know, depending on your play style, you can pick different ones. You have kind of seemingly infinite lives, which fits kind of very well with the sort of flow change that they've made, you know, and that it's slightly faster game. And, you know, Elizabeth gives you whatever you need in combat. Kind of overall feel is that, you know, they're focusing kind of on story, but action, you know, is very awesome. A lot of combat. But in terms of pacing, you know, the infinite lives sort of style seems to work a little bit better. Falling off a building will be almost instant respawn, you know, a few steps back from where you were, you know, so you won't be you know right at the edge of wherever it was you fell off. If you die in combat, it puts you back a little bit from where you were. I've never been more than, you know, sort of right around the corner or so from where I was fighting. And that says that you don't come back at full health, and the bad guys that you were fighting also recovered some of the health. So it's not like, you know... Uh, A big bad guy will go up to full health instantly. You know, he'll still be pretty hurt. But you also will be a little bit more hurt. I've only died three or four times I'm playing on normal. And since I'm like super pro at shooter games, it hasn't been super challenging. But it has always been really fun. And you do certainly have to be kind of careful. You can't be all la 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 about fighting. You know, you do have to be careful and and figure things out. And like I said, I'm kind of super pro. And so, you know, I'm using a lot of tactics, I'm hiding, you know, when combat starts, I'll often use my possession and hit one of the guys sort of in the back, so, you know, it splits up the bad guys that are fighting me, and, you know, then they're shooting away from me, so, you know, the useful application of tactics, or, you know, maybe you hop up and use your hook and hop up and get some height advantage, you know, tactics like that will will certainly help. And it's a very good challenge, I think. You know, very fun. I guess it's really all to say. Like I think I said, I've, I've played maybe eight hours so far. I don't actually know how long it will be before I finish it. It seems like I'm kind of near the end, though, so it wouldn't surprise me if it was maybe a 12-hour playthrough. I would just guess. I, I haven't read any reviews or anything because I knew I wanted to pick it up and play it. So I didn't want to read, you know, too many reviews because... They tend to kind of be spoilery. So if it's something I know 100% for sure I'm going to play, you know, I, I usually don't bother reading about them. But if you were a fan of the original Bioshock games, you should absolutely definitely pick it up without any hesitation. If you have heard about them and you thought, eh, maybe I'll check it out, I would say if you are into shooter-type games and you enjoy story and a really good, you know, fight, as it were, I would say, you know, also very definitely pick it up. I don't really know if there is actually anybody I would not recommend this for. It's kind of super violent and gory. I don't know if you can turn off the blood. So if that's something you're not into, you know, violence against people, as it were, because they are, you know, regular people, you know, um you might want to skip it if you're not into that. But other than that, it is a super awesome fun shooter game set around the turn of the century. With some very cool mystery, what's going on here kind of stuff that you reveal along the way. People who are regular listeners will know that i've been kind of looking for sort of a, a pvp based game but something that would be like a collectible card game you know something in more of a sort of relaxed strategic atmosphere and over the weekend at pax blizzard announced something that could be exactly what i'm looking for they have announced hearthstone heroes of warcraft It is a digital collectible card game for PC and Mac, and shortly after release, it will also be out for iPad. The game will be 100% free to download and play. Like I said, it is a collectible card game, so you get different heroes that you will be able to play, and those heroes will command different forces. And I don't think they are, you know, specific to the hero, but there are certain cards that they have shown that require certain types of heroes. Like they showed off some demons, and the demons could only be used by Warlock player. So the hero you pick will kind of probably flavor the deck, I suppose. But it's, you know, customizable. You can change it how you wish. And again, you know, not too much is known about it. So I don't know if it comes with, you know, a pre-built deck and you change it from there. Or if you go basically from scratch. There are a rumored 300 plus cards already in place. Word is beta will be in the summer, which could just be, you know, a few months from now. If you go to your BattleNet account and you go to the, I think it's like a beta tab, you can opt into the beta for Hearthstone. Release is supposedly planned soon. So, you know, they didn't say, you know, Blizzard soon, they said actual soon. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was sort of, you know, at the end of summer, maybe like August or September cuz what they've shown off so far looks, you know, really good and really complete. They have said you can buy expansion packs and they've shown off how that looks when you open them up. It sort of has like a a book thing that opens up and then there's five cards and when you mouse over the card it will show, you know, a certain glow behind it. And it's like they had one that was like rare and it's like another one was legendary and it it just says that before you click it. So it's like you can mouse over and see You know, and then pick based on, you know, which ones are what, you know, which you want to look at right away. Like, I would probably look at all my commons first and then look at the rare and legendaries last. But I don't know, that's kind of cool, you know, adds to the anticipation. And the current rumors are that the booster packs will be $1 for those five cards. But, you know, that could change by launch. They could change the number of cards or they could change the price. You can also win boosters through just playing and winning fights. There is this mode called the Forge where it shows you three different cards and you pick one and it goes through you know multiple times until you have a whole deck worth. So it's kind of like a, a tournament style randomized option on how to build a deck. And then you can fight with that Forge deck against other people. Apparently you get to keep the cards you get from the Forge created deck. So that's another way to add to your collection of total cards. There is no trading and no auction house and, you know, thus no direct sale of cards. They have stated that they want to have players focus on, you know, winning cards and collecting cards and getting cards through the forge. And, you know, then you can, you can buy them through the booster packs. But, you know, no direct purchasing of I want, you know, this specific card. They want it to be, you know, chance based and, you know, sort of like collection based. They have mentioned there is crafting of cards, which is kind of the thing they're most vague on so far. But, you know, just having announced the the game, it's not really surprising. A lot of the details are kind of hazy. But it basically sounded like you can take cards you are not using. Like if you get a bunch of commons and you have like five of this one kind of card that you don't really use. You can sort of sacrifice slash destroy them and get components. And from those components, you can make new cards. Like I said, they aren't really specific on, you know, how that works or, you know, what maybe the different resources are that you get. You know, maybe if you want to build a certain card, it takes X and Y number of, you know, different resources. I don't know. It will be very interesting to see. One cool thing that they do is that when you summon the cards, there will be various sound effects of the cards. Like if you've played Warcraft and you know... You know, as example, the Murloc sound they showed in one game they were doing. Somebody summoned a Murloc and it went row, row, when it went onto the board. And you can mouse over your hero and the various kind of emote sayings your character can do, you know, in the voice of that character. So that's very cool. This is not an official game watch because the game is still quite a ways from launch. I want to sort of preserve the game watch for, you know, games that are like three to four months away. So this is just kind of an early notice about it because it sounds very awesome and it sounds like something I've been waiting for quite a while. That's really all the details I think I have for the game to mention so far. At the time of this recording, that's really all the important details I can think of to mention. Like I said, long-time listeners of my podcast know I've been looking for a collectible card game you know, that I could play online with other people that isn't quite as complicated as magic the gathering you know I, i've been looking forward to one for quite a while and it looks like this could be it so i'm very excited about the news hopefully i can get into beta and check it out in just a few months but if not you know it, it looks like it's going to launch soonish you know more towards the end of the year but not you know a whole you know long time away from now it's pretty soon And if you are into collectible card games and you enjoy Blizzard's sense of humor, you might want to check it out. So this will be sort of a trinity of updates. I've gotten a little bit into StarCraft Two: Heart of the Swarm campaign. Pretty cool. Don't have a lot of thoughts about the campaign itself because I haven't done you know a whole lot of playing just yet. Kerrigan is kind of overpowered, but that's sort of the point of the campaign. She's so like really super powerful, and then you know you control Zerg and do various Zergish things. Like I said, I've only played for a little bit, maybe a few hours so far. I'll probably talk about it more later. The multiplayer doesn't really seem all that friendly though. The people either don't talk at all or they just kind of like, you know, good luck, have fun, and then they don't say anything the rest of the time. Most of the time, you know, I try to have fun and I'll say silly things and not take it so seriously. And it's like the people I'm playing against will, you know, ignore what I say or just not respond. The leveling system is pretty cool. As you play each race, you get, like, experience for building stuff. And that experience, you know, builds up a level system, as it were. I don't think it really does anything other than unlocks different avatars and decals for your multiplayer guys. So that's cool, and, you know, it's not imbalancing or anything. I don't have any new thoughts for Neverwinter. I gained a few more levels, but I got access to the Alpha and the Foundry beta. So I can pretty much play any I want. So, you know, the weekend coming up wasn't a huge deal for me. So I didn't really feel like, you know, it was necessary to play. Even though, you know, I expect, you know, on the alpha server, I'd have to start a different character. But I don't know, just something about the fact that, you know, the character will eventually be deleted. You know, it's like I don't have an overwhelming, burning desire to play through and see as much as I can. Especially since... I have pretty much confirmed that there really is just the one quest line. And so, you know, if I play through it all in the beta, you know, it might be slightly different at launch. But, you know, it'll pretty much be the same content. So I don't really have, you know, a burning desire to burn through all that content either. I played Defiance for a short while as well. They wiped the characters from last weekend, so I had to start over. And as I thought, you know, it is pretty much one single quest line for Defiance. So I wasn't really all that interested in replaying through the content I'd played before. Since, you know, in theory, I would have to play more hours this weekend than I played last weekend to see anything new. Because, you know, theoretically, with it being the exact same content, I would see the exact same stuff going up. And, you know, it wasn't all that interesting. So I played for maybe half a dozen hours I got to, I think, level 70, and, you know, pretty much everything was the same. There were a few minor UI differences, but nothing really major. I mean, there wasn't any different monsters I saw, and I didn't see any different quests. It was all, you know, the same stuff I'd seen before. There is a small text-based intro that they added to the beginning of the game, so you do get a little bit of history about what's going on it does kind of describe the story of, you know, these people trying to terraform the Earth, and there were different alien races, and, you know, the alien races fought with the human races, and then a bunch of people said, hey, you know, the only way we're going to survive together is, you know, to be together. And so there was this whole defiance movement about, hey, let's all be friendly and fight together. And so that's kind of, I guess, what defiance is about I did see like two articles of clothing in the time I played, which I think I got to almost level 70. So I was, you know, almost as far as I had gotten last time. But it was kind of surprising, you know, how few clothing items dropped for, you know, how much I played. You know, it seemed like pretty much I was in the same clothes and everyone else was in the same clothes. And we all had the same vehicles and we're all doing the same quests. So, you know, not any more or less interesting than before. It is very definitely pretty much a single quest line. So there's really only going to be one playthrough that's going to keep you really interested in the story. If you do play through again, for some reason, you'll just wind up fast forwarding through all the cutscenes and stuff. So like I said, I'm still not really sure about how, you know, how much I'd recommend it for people. Pretty cool for a single playthrough, but it didn't really seem like there'd be much replayability beyond that, you know, other than trying out different weapons, and it's like, you know, why make a different character for that? Again, you know, I, I didn't get past halfway, so, you know, I don't know how endgame will be. I'm sure we'll see some reviews on that as we near launch. And I guess that's pretty much it for my trinity of small reviews about stuff I did over the weekend. <laughs> So news this week, first big thing is Happy Bunny Day. I don't know if you're picking this up before or after Bunny Day, but it is the weekend I'm releasing this. So Happy Bunny Day, everybody. And I guess Monday is April Fool's, so Happy April Fool's. Look for fun things on the internet around that. In gaming news, Star Wars Pinball now has its own app. You don't have to get through Zen Pinball. You can get it just by itself. It is still basically $2 a board. Actually, one of the official news source reviews I saw about it actually said pretty much the same thing I did in that, you know, if you have an iPhone, it is pretty much a little too small to be really enjoyable. They said it is very definitely a better experience on iPad. So pretty much the same thing, I guessed, you know, even though I didn't have the actual Star Wars board, you know, it's the same as the basic board. It doesn't zoom in, so... But that's out there now as its own app if you wanted to grab it as its own app instead of going through Zen Pinball. Defiance is due out April 2nd. If you go back to previous podcasts, you can hear my ramblings about that. Dishonored, the Knife of Dunwall expansion for Dishonored, is due out on the 16th. And one very cool console game that I don't know if I've mentioned it before or not Injustice Gods Among Us, which is a superhero fighter game based in the DC Universe, is due out on the 16th. That's another one that, you know, if I had access to my console, I would absolutely love to pick up. Because it looks just really incredible and a lot of fun. And if you're into, you know, superhero and comics and fighting games, that should definitely be something you want to check out and pick up. And that's it for the news. Well, I was twenty-one. And it was a very good year. It was a very good year for city girls who lived up the stair with perfumed hair. That came undone when I was twenty-one. So I guess that's it for this Rabbit Swamblings podcast. So far, I have lost almost three pounds in the maybe week and a half or two weeks I've been doing my calorie counting diet thing. So that's pretty cool. Not a huge update there. You know, pretty small change. But, you know, three pounds, that's very definitely outside of normal variance. So hopefully, you know, I'll continue to lose and uh, get better there. I think I have a stealth cold and by that I mean I've been feeling really super tired lately even though I've been getting like eight or nine hours of sleep and there's really no other symptoms until today this morning. I started coughing a lot and there's like a lot of congestion in my lungs and some big globs of yuck have come out when I coughed. So I think that explains why I've been so tired lately even though I've gotten enough rest in terms of hours. Is that You know, have a stealth cold. There's no real symptoms, but obviously, I guess my body is sick and fighting something. I still haven't seen Oz. I keep forgetting to go do that. It's kind of hard, you know, to see movies when you're single because, you know, it's just you. So, you know, why bother? Because there's nobody I'm going to talk to about it. Nobody I'm going to go enjoy it with, you know, when I see it. But, you know, I should definitely check that out on IMAX 3D before it goes away because I have a free ticket. So it's free, it's good. And so, you know, that's like 15 or 17 bucks or something normally. So very definitely worth going right away while it's still, you know, available. Maybe I'll do that, uh, you know, after I record this. Not, you know, today, but, you know, by the next podcast maybe. And that's really all I can think of for this time. So hopefully everybody will have a good Easter weekend. Have lots of fun. Play with your friends. Enjoy life. And hopefully, I will see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. Sometimes I'd stay up all night Wishing to God that I was the one who died sometimes there's not enough time so much't know I so much I will destroy it you have been listening to Rabbit's ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings dot html If you would like to send me an email you can do so at rabbit at rabbit dot com. If you friend me you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbit dot com. It's rabbit.com but with not a period. When you type rabbits ramblings don't use the space And be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2013 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.